Glory to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful morning with great gusts of wind. Hopefully we're not tossed to and fro. We won't be tossed to and fro by anything that has been set forth in the gospel or from the example or life and teaching of St. John of the Ladder, St. John from Mount Sinai, the monastery of St. Catherine's, where our God revealed himself to the prophet Moses. This morning we will also have really a great entrance that goes back to the way they used to do the great entrance, where we will have to go to another building in order to get the gifts, because that's how uh, they used to get the gifts. They would prepare the gifts in one building, and then everyone would process into the church. Uh, we don't have the gifts out for us right now because this wind is just too much. So uh, you're getting a little historical reenactment, but not uh, for any other reason because the wind is just so powerful this morning. This gospel that we have set for the fourth Sunday of Lent. It's kind of a scary gospel. If you've ever been in the presence of someone who goes into a seizure, as we have with this man that is brought, who seizes him, throws him down, he foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid ever been in the presence of someone who goes into a seizure it's always a kind of what do I do there's suddenly something to respond to the man who's brought his son this one who goes into seizures the one who is oppressed by a mute spirit he'd already been to the disciples he'd already asked them to cast it out because as we know in the gospel, especially the gospel of Mark, before we have this account, our Lord had sent out the apostles. He told them to go preach, and he told them to cast out demons. And he had given them the authority, his authority, God's authority to do so. And when Jesus hears that his disciples could not cast this out, could not handle this particular instance, he cries out, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Can you imagine being a disciple there? <laughs> They're thinking to themselves, we're the faithless generation. We're the ones who are following you. We're the ones who have given up all sorts of things, given up our jobs, we're wandering around, putting our heads on stones at night. We're the faithless generation. We, as the church, we stand as a kind of intercessor. And by the church, I mean every single one of us. We stand as exactly these disciples of our Lord. For we, as disciples, have also followed him. We have pledged our faith in him. 
we've been sent out into the world to preach and in fact to be able to do the same things that the disciples and apostles were able to do for we don't think that there was just power that was in the new testament the bible the gospels but we attest to we proclaim god's presence god's power and his authority that has been given to all of us who call upon his name that you yes you have the ability to cast out demons to be able to help those who are around you to intercede for them most especially to preach the gospel to them this underlines for us the importance of the church and the community that we have not only are we intercessors for those who are coming from without coming into the fold of the kingdom but as we grow in Christ we also grow closer to each other and it's kind of like marriage or maybe even dating let's let's take it back a step kind of like dating where maybe the first month or two as you're dating somebody you're getting to know them and it's usually about at least this is my experience many moons ago now uh, about two or three months in you start actually seeing the person you start experiencing what it's like to actually uh, share a life with such a person not to the extent of marriage because then marriage then you're about two months in and then you really realize what you have bound yourself to all of the positives and all of the negatives both sides in community as we as the church grow in Christ it also means we grow in fellowship and bonds together that also means that we begin to have friction we begin to experience each other we begin to see each other it's also true for the priest right as I've been around for about three years you start to get to know me a little bit my strengths my weaknesses the things that I, I cannot see that maybe you see but as exactly these relationships these things that we experience with each other that grows the body of Christ that helps us grow but how exactly do we do that as we have seen the disciples were not able to deal with this situation our Lord kind of rebuking and teaching them that they calling them a faithless generation so the challenge that comes from the gospel this morning challenge that I think all of us uh, experience regularly is what do we do when we actually encounter this kind of a challenge when we encounter someone who seems to be completely overthrown by a particular passion when we encounter someone who has very specific ideas and is wed to them in such a way that it might even start causing some division or it causes upset I think we all are very familiar with these experiences 
And we can get even deeper with this. So if we experience those as if those who are coming from the outside, not just within the community, but those who come to us who are broken. Now all of us are broken. And all of us have come with all sorts of brokenness. There's always something new that we experience. And a new form of brokenness is added to the brokenness that is already there. What do you do when you come up to a problem? When you hit the roadblock? Alright, this is pushing me out uh, of my comfort zone. This is now a challenge that I cannot rise to. I don't know what to do. Well, I have a tendency to Google. What do I mean by that? I start researching. I start looking things up. I start thinking about therapy. I start thinking about ways to maybe flee. Maybe I start thinking about ways that I'll just ignore it. And in a lot of the ways I ignore it means that I actually end up just kind of treating myself to whatever it is that I want. As long as I don't have to deal with the challenge in front of me. We are constantly beset by those around us who are overthrown by their passions, who are overthrown, maybe even by a spirit, a demon. We ourselves are overthrown regularly. When the disciples have seen their Lord cast out the spirit, they come to him privately. And they're concerned because they don't understand why they were not able to cast it out. And the Lord tells them, as he tells us, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. We, as I was just relating to you, we so often, as I do, come to a roadblock and a challenge, and I fall back upon myself. I fall back upon maybe certain kinds of wisdom that I maybe have gathered from others. I, I don't kid when I say Google. It's like looking up. Okay, what is this? Is this... Okay, this looks like... Maybe this looks like narcissism. Maybe this looks like uh, some other obsession or problem. Or maybe we just need to hand this over to a therapist and they can handle it. Or maybe I just need to ignore the whole thing and just keep on doing my own thing. It doesn't really occur to me that the way in which I need to handle this challenge in front of me, or my brother and sister who stands before me, who I consider to be a challenge, that I consider prayer and fasting. It's not my second nature. It's not what I go to. I go to everything else except prayer and fasting. We are so used to relying upon ourselves when challenges come before us. And it is the reason why the church partly has lent for us. 
to emphasize, to underline for us the absolute importance and necessity of prayer and fasting. They are wed to each other. They are wed to each other because they both are the basic primary tools, paths, to our Lord. To the faith that we struggle with, us of the faithless generation. The icon that we have, uh, that I have printed out, that I have before us of St. John Climicus, that is over towards the parking lot over there, is an icon that adorns the outside of St. John the Ladder Church in Greenville, South Carolina, which is actually where Father Stephen and Mother Beth are this morning, as he is preaching there, and I am preaching here on this Sunday of St. John Climacus. This icon, uh, I believe, is a beautiful depiction of the challenge that we have for us this morning. If you look at it closely, and I encourage you to look at it closely, you will see... um, it's kind of a traditional depiction, but a little bit untraditional in the sense that you have John Climacus and he has a scroll and he has a ladder because he's the author of the Ladder of Divine Ascent, uh, which is read in Orthodox monasteries throughout Lent. And it is unfurled towards the corner where our Lord is traditionally in icons. But you'll notice a detail that I asked the iconographer, who's a friend of mine, actually the godfather of Alexander, You see our Lord at the top of the scroll, and his hand is kind of pushing over the top of the scroll. His hand is coming over the scroll and kind of even curling the scroll of the ladder back towards John Climacus. Prayer and fasting is that ladder, that ascent up to our Lord. But it is the faith that he himself, as we approach him, comes down whatever our prayer and fasting ascetical disciplines that he kind of in a sense overwhelms them with his presence that his blessing comes down and he's coming out over that effort meeting us and then bringing us up towards him I say it's a little untraditional because we're so used to the depiction of the ladder from this Sunday where you've got folks climbing up the ladder and you've got demons pulling them off and bringing them down into uh, the jaws of Hades is what you see underneath. This depiction underlines what I think we especially encounter in this gospel. Through our prayer and fasting, we encounter our Lord, who is the only source of what can free us, what can bring us to his presence so that we can be able to to encounter that roadblock, that challenge, our brother and sister in Christ that is challenging us. It is not to turn to things of this world. And let me be clear, and I'm not saying that we don't need something like therapy, as I've said that a few times. We absolutely need all of the tools that we have in the toolbox. Maybe we don't need to treat ourselves uh, and that kind of treat yourself type of dealing with reality where we don't deal with it but we through our prayer and fasting are holding on to him who comes down who blesses us who frees us let us as we heard in the epistle have our hope 
that is an anchor of the soul, that is sure and steadfast, that it is anchored in our Lord who stands in the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered before us, our high priest, the one who blesses us, the one who calls us to have faith in him, that no matter what the challenges we have in front of us, we have anchored ourselves in our Lord. Through prayer and fasting, we encounter him. We bring him into our life, and he can raise us up and the challenge that we have before us and cast it out, bringing us fully into communion with him and into the kingdom. Let us, as we continue through this Lenten fast, renew and vigor our prayer and our fasting so that we can experience our Lord coming to us and freeing us from all the things that have us enslaved. Glory to Jesus Christ.